0: Yes, hello, and welcome to episode nineteen of Long Ball Football, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things Primera Liga. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? You had a good week? Yeah, good. Exciting, um, exciting weekend and Monday, wasn't it? It was, yeah, definitely. I love deadline day, although this one hasn't been as exciting as previous <laughs> ones. But what one or two deals we wanted to go over the line that didn't materialise in the end? Yeah, but then a couple that did, which we weren't expecting. We'll come on to that later. We're not going to tease you. We're going to do a little uh, transfer window roundup at the end, and of course, it's a big game this week, Barney—the Lisbon Derby—as well.
1: Yeah, just a—I uh, guess a peek behind the curtain. I did my bedtime's about eight pm, eight nine pm here, so I did, <laughs> I did wake up early this morning to watch the Sporting Benfica game and and tried my best not to
0: find out the score. For anybody who listened last week, we did our first morning recording the podcast. We started at eight thirty am. Just to put it in context, we're doing that again this week, so we covered a sporting game. Barney has been up before this and watch the whole game on repeat on free sports <laughs> before even recording <laughs> well, that's the beauty of free sports and i didn't realize until like a couple
1: of about a couple of weeks ago that they've got the catch-up option so you can watch any game which is ideal for me
0: because yeah if it's a nine thirty kickoff um there's no chance <laughs> another reason to love free sports if you didn't love free sports already my second favorite reason to love free sports barney is whenever i uh Tune in to watch a game that I think is going to be on free sports, for example, Porto versus Rio Rav, and they're not showing it. And in fact, they're showing World Championship pool tournament. Uh, just another reason <laughs> to love free sports. Well, as I just alluded to, we're going to do a little transfer window roundup at the end of this podcast. And of course, after we discuss the news, you're going to be talking about all the games of the week, uh, especially that Lisbon derby. So, so we can look forward to those. I wanted to start off with some news this week, though, Barney, because there's been three managerial changes. Ferenc, Rio and Family Cow have all made managerial changes. Uh, let's start with Family Cow Barney. Manager Joao Pedro Souza was relieved of his duties as Family manager with the team in 15th place in the table on equal points and with equal goal difference with Boavista, only three wins all season. We spoke about this in the week already. Uh, I think we've had a slight difference of opinion on this one. So I'll let you lay out your thoughts first.
1: Well, I think, firstly, as you just mentioned, they're on the exactly the same points as Boavista, but I feel like I've been going the whole season thinking Bournemouth have been in a, like absolute sham performing below their best. And I think Fanacal, I haven't quite felt the same. way. I'm not sure why. There's obviously this whole thing that they sort of, they are a small team and they did a remarkably well last season. So that's going to be hanging over them yeah, I just haven't seen enough this season at all. He did remarkable well last season, but yeah, it's it's just not the same, as that.
0: Is it a fair decision for you then?
1: For me, yes. I think it's bizarre we've had so many managerial changes at the end of the transfer window. Yeah. Um, although I think with Family Cow, I don't I'm not sure how much the manager has a say. They've obviously got as we talked about when they were our team in focus a few podcasts ago, they have obviously got a business model which is done top to bottom. So whether he's having say in the transfers, I'm not so sure because they, you know, they like to find hidden gems, don't they?
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, I'm always unsure whether it's the manager bringing the players in or whether there's some kind of scouting board bringing the players in. Uh, for me, though, Barney, I do think it was a harsh decision. I would have kept him on. I think you look at the job he did last season where they came within literally minutes of European football for a club of family account size. Uh, I think it says an awful lot about the qualities that he possesses as a manager. Uh, and the important thing for me is to remember that he had that amazing season with a team of essentially misfits, right? You know, let's not forget Tony Martinez was a flop at West Ham. Pedro Gonsalves, uh, who's now tearing it up in the league for Sporting, didn't make it at Wolves. Ruben Lameras was signed from Plymouth Arc (laughs) You know, these are, you know, these are not well-beaten players and he's done a great job of them. And even the players that did well for him, he lost in the summer and they weren't replaced. So yes, they have struggled. uh, But look at the squad they had, you know, the squad that they had at the beginning of the season was no better than any of the other squads that the teams in and around him had. So I think it is a bit harsh to get rid of him. Um, I don't think a different manager would have done a better job with those players. That's my main take home point from this. I think the strange thing for me that I mentioned to you was we've seen family Le Cal be so active in this transfer window. they brought in more players than anybody else. Why back the manager, give him the players that he needs and then get rid of him two weeks later? I don't get that. The surprising thing, isn't it, is that
1: well, one of these sold Lemiros who has been their best player this season, which is a shame. But what it? They made over 10 signings in this transfer window? Nine, I think. Right, yeah. So and I think it was evident at the beginning of the season. I know the summer transfer window was a bit weird for a lot of clubs, but the drop-off from... The squad that finished the end of last season to the starting this season was quite evident for me, particularly with those people where they lost out, like Fabio Martins and, as you mentioned, P- Pedro Gonzalez. So, yeah, it is bizarre that they saw this transfer window, like, we need to do something, but they didn't see it in the summer. And like you said, it, he's got a, he's had a much harder job this season with that squad. But there's still, for me, there's still players in there who should have been performing better, particularly the fence. I just think it's clear you couldn't sort throw out the fence. Like I mentioned before, uh, previous podcast, he just kept rotating kept putting players in and out and they just never had that time to settle so that's what disappointed me I, d- I just feel he could have done a bit more um, With even though the players
0: were not as good I think he could have done a bit, bit more Well there's no new manager coming at Family Car at the moment but the two other clubs are Forenz uh, and Rio Ave let's start with Rio Ave Barney because uh, new manager Miguel Cardozo came in uh, takes over from interim manager Pedro Cunha it's his second spell in charge of Rio Ave uh, and in fact his first spell at the club was his first job as a senior manager and a season where he led Real Rav to their best ever campaign in the top flight, equal to that season that Carlos Cavaliel achieved with them a couple of years ago. Seems like a good appointment on paper to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it, I think it does look good. I mean, he's managed some good clubs in different leagues. Uh, FC Nantes, Vigo aki Athens. But I think of all of those, he hasn't had the longest stints in mean, a quite short 10 years there. But it's more about looking at his experience in this league. You know, he's assistant manager uh, at Sporting, Braga, Coimbra. And like you said, yeah, just the, the fact he knows this club and he's like, he's done something with them before, I think it's going to be really good.
0: I think his main task as well, Barney, is going to be getting Rio have a bit of a spark back. Sounds like a bit of a cliche, but there's so much talent in that squad. You know, we talk about it all the time. Carlos Mane, Gelson de Gerardo's machine, and we bang on about it. Uh, a, lot, a lot of those players are so talented that they just... Showing that they've got ability there, maybe they just need someone to give them a bit of a confidence boost, get them playing with a bit more freedom, something like that. Yeah, because there's there's no doubt they've got the squad there, isn't it? They've got the players. Um, They just haven't done it. And of course, the last managing world change we want to talk about is uh, the Forens manager. Uh, And this is an interesting one, Barney, because slightly different situation to those other two clubs. They've obviously struggled all season. That's not a secret, but they've been massive underdogs. And I don't think they could reasonably expect to be anywhere in the table other than where they are now if they've had issues for me and we've watched a lot of forensics this season if they've had issues it's either been the beginning of the season where it seemed like they were just getting unlucky every single game you know the ball just wouldn't drop for them Uh, or the majority of the rest of the season where it's just become apparent that they don't have the quality in that squad uh, to compete but for me none of their issues this season you can reasonably put down to anything the manager has done I don't think I've ever watched a forens game and thought the manager is not doing enough here
1: yeah i agree with you i think they i've quite liked watching them play potentially there's been an the occasion where you think they're trying to what's the phrase play beyond their means yeah you know what i mean and do you know what do you know whose head uh who's watch manager popped into my head with all these uh managers sackings and that was um lito Villigal. and whether they just need mm. someone like someone like that to just just to sort that defense out man and just you know be a bit more robust and not shipping goals. Because like that Porto game last week, they almost got themselves back into that, I felt. They were, they were playing well. It's just, you know, as soon as you go down a goal, it's, it's just so hard for them to get, you know, get ahead
0: at any point. Well, in Forenza's case, Barney, they did move quickly to bring in a replacement manager, Jorge Costa, former manager of teams in in Portugal, Braga, Olienz, Academica, uh, Passos Ferreira, uh, most recently manager in Romania, so I think he had to get out of his contract there, but they've obviously moved quickly to bring in a Portuguese manager. I've seen some very interesting comments online, Barney, from Ferenc fans. One or two very unsympathetic. Not very really impressed with uh, Ferenc's previous playing style, but also there was a very positive message of farewell from the club, uh, noting that under Sergio Vieira, they returned to the top flight after a long absence. So, you know, I think he'll be fondly remembered there. And just to move on to some other interesting news that emerged this week Barney news in, that the television rights for the Premier League will soon be managed in a very different way to how they are now, with a new TV deal starting from the 2027 28 season. I have to admit, you've got your head around this a bit better than myself, so I'll let you run with this one.
1: It is an interesting one. I mean, we feel quite lucky that we? we've got the f- live score app, free sports show, quite a few games. Um, but in Portugal, all games are sort of shown on the sport TV, aren't they? And it's a weird situation, which is unlike any league I've seen before, where currently all 18 clubs deal with sport tv individually so what this means is that every home game you've got you, you're negotiating with sport tv the deals for them to show that game because currently what you have is you know porto will go have a home game and they'll go to sport tv and sports be oh yeah we'll give you loads of money we want to show your game we're going to get the viewers but then you know someone like friends will have a, a home game and sports TV will be like well you know not many people to watch this we'll offer you this much so essentially you know the bigger teams are in some cases, only 15 times more money per game than the lower teams in this league, which is an absolutely astronomical difference. So as a collective, it's going to be much better for the league as a whole in terms of getting equal shares of the money. I'm not sure, I haven't read anything about how the top three clubs feel about this? Because I don't know if that means they're going to be getting a worse deal. But then, the most interesting thing of this, when I looked into this, was the rights for Portugal for a season are valued at about 110 million pounds. And then you compare that to other leagues in in across the world, and there is a there's a huge difference, man. I mean, obviously Portugal's a small country, but Belgium, the closest match, with 95 million pounds a season for their TV rights. But then you go to Brazil, that's 250 million, Turkey 400 million, Italy 900 million, and then like, you know, the big leagues are all a billion pounds plus. So, it's interesting. I mean, I think, obviously,
0: TV revenue is just no near as big a deal as it is, say, here in England. I mean, £110 million sounds like a lot when you say it, but then when you remember that, uh, Joao Felix alone went uh, for a transfer fee for more than £110 (laughs) million, and then the TV rights for your whole league over a whole season are valued at that amount of money. It is quite... It is quite shocking when you hear it that way. Obviously, a lot of this is down to population size as well. I'm not sure if there's a huge market for the Portuguese league outside of Portugal. I think for us, though, it's interesting as neutral observers of this league with no emotional investment in any one team. The idea of a more competitive league is, of course, a good one for us. You know, We're obviously all in favour of the smaller clubs getting more money, being able to compete more in the transfer market, being able to have better players, seeing more variation in the league, have different teams compete for... For Europe, that's obviously a obviously a good thing. But then, I suppose on the other hand, you'll have that school of thought, which is that along a similar line to the new European Super League that's been mooted. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Portuguese people will be thinking in terms of the coefficient, in terms of how many Champions League places are offered to Portugal. Surely, it's better therefore to have the stronger teams as strong as possible, so that they can compete on a European stage.
1: Also, of so almost on the reverse of that, with the way Portuguese clubs have been performing in Europe this season, it does sort of perhaps make this league more attractive for a TV company to purchase the rights and show it across the whole of Europe or even um, in the world. So it works both ways, I think. And yeah, I think the main thing to take away from this is just the fact that we would see clubs with a bit more financial stability towards the bottom end of the table. <laughs>
0: Right, without further ado, let's talk football, Barney, and of course, we're going to start with what was one of the biggest games of the season so far, the Lisbon derby, Sporting versus Benfica, Uh, and it was Sporting who maintained their lead at the top of the table and extended their lead over Benfica in third place to nine points, thanks to a last-minute goal from Matthias Nunes. The question on everyone's lips at the moment, Barney, is with nearly half the games gone and Sporting top of the table, is it time to believe that the title could be theirs after 19 years? I think you made a
1: really good point last week about Porto in terms of and so to jump straight in with Porto when we talk about sporting <laughs> Africa, but <laughs> that they I think they're the sporting's closest rivals here in terms of the league. They've obviously got the pedigree in the last um what was it, 19 years that they've much more successful than sporting. However, I think this performance shows that I can't see sporting losing. And I mean I honestly mean that. Like I can see them drawing, I can see them perhaps, you know, and when they draw, it's probably because they haven't scored themselves, you know. I just thought this performance was great and just showed how solid they are, man. I just, Benfica, you know,
0: one of the best teams in the league and I just could not see them scoring. I mean, it's interesting because it was a much cagier affair than I expected. I mean, on paper, we probably should have predicted that, but it was a far cry from the kind of attacking, high-energy, high-paced derby uh, that I expected. It's not to say there weren't chances. Of course, there were plenty of... Uh, good chances, Plenty of derby challenges flying around, which I enjoyed. I think there were four yellow cards in the first half alone, but uh, it was something that Colin Murphy was saying on the commentary, Barley, and I agree with it completely. The teams were cancelling each other out so much. You had both teams playing exactly that same formation, You know, three at the back, wing backs, two in midfield, three up front. Uh, and it was a really good defensive display, especially from Sporting, who we've been so impressed with defensively all season. But Benfica as well, obviously... You know they had their laps in concentration towards the end of the game, but yeah, that's the that's what I took from this game.
1: I felt like it was always like a mirror image. You know, both teams had three experienced centre backs at the back,
0: and then at the top you had like two
1: smaller, like tricky wingers. Like you got Servis and Rafa, and then Nuno Santos and Pote, and then you've got your strike up top who who can't stay onside side and Darwin and Thiago Thomas. <laughs> it was like it was like
0: it was almost identical, like all across the pitch. Do you know what? I think it was interesting as well, Barney, because it was was it almost a sign of humility from George Jesus? Because Benfica were the ones who changed their formation. You know, Sporting have been doing the same thing all season. And I think it was an admission from George Jesus and the management team there that they had to change something to not lose this game, which obviously they did. They came within two minutes of doing that part of their job, not losing the game in the end. Obviously, last minute header uh, and all three points go to Sporting. But To me, that's what it seemed like. I do think that was the right thing to do. I think both teams really struggled to
1: create chances. I mean, I think Sporting's goal was their only shot on target in this game. I don't think Benfica really had that much to deal with in terms of defending. But I I think it was almost clear that one team had been playing this formation the whole season and the other team hadn't. I think that was quite evident.
0: Well, let's talk about the teams from an attacking point of view, Barney. We've praised them defensively, but it's fair to say that Left a little bit to be desired in terms of attacking football, especially with Benfica. We joke about Darwin Nunes not being able to stay on side. Uh, there were one or two chances that he had that I thought he could have done better with. One or two times in the game, I thought his decision-making just wasn't there. He really struggled in front of goal this game. I don't know
1: how much to take from this game because Sporting have the best defence in the league. And I think, you know, th- those three centre-backs have been immense and they were they were really good in this game. And I think, it, once again, it's worth remembering, you know, this guy came from the second tier in Spain. He's, he's not a proven player. He's he's still learning his trait. I thought Seferovic should have come on a bit earlier for me, just to try and be a bit more of a nuisance, because that, that's the thing, man. I mean, there was one or two instances that jumps to mind where Kouat is just, you know... So easily dispossessed Darwin. And I feel like I sort of feel like Darwin is the sort of player to like when you're coming up against someone like Coates, you know, and that first time you get dispossessed or, you know, he puts the tackle in. I just, I feel like Darwin sort of plays kind of start doubting himself, you know, just feel like I'm never going to get past this guy.
0: It's interesting to hear you say they should have brought on a bit sooner. I think a lot of Benfica fans have their head in their hands hearing you say that. I don't think he's a very popular figure. But I am inclined to agree because I think in a game like that, he's probably, he's probably the most effective attacker they had. Another player that I want to give credit to, Barney, Julian Weigel, I think he had a pretty good game. He made one or two good deceptions, which I was impressed with. But
1: I think Gabriel coming back in his own time was good for them. I, I, I think he's probably one of their better central midfielders than that position. He had a great battle with Mateus Nunes this game, didn't he? And I I, I wanted to look at the midfields actually because there's this whole bizarre thing with the Pellini suspension, wasn't there, where a couple of hours before the game it was announced that he was available. Absolute shambles. Yeah, and I think the reason he didn't start is because, and this is credit to Amarin because he could have he could have panicked and put him straight back in, but they would have been preparing all weekend without him. He kept Mateus Nunes in the starting lineup. And I think, I feel like he was going to be a massive loss. Um, you know, he's so important at winning the ball back for sporting. He's, he's also solid and he's got, you know, he covers a lot more ground than Maria. And to sort of get Mateus Nunes, what is he, 22 years old, to sort of come in and do that role himself, I uh, just thought he he was a really mature performance. I think, you know, like he battled well against Gabriel. Um, and of course, he got the goal, Barney. Decent header as well. Ah, oh, the, just the position he got himself into you know he was really smart and to be at that end, like you know what was it 90 minutes he'd been running the whole game and he just casually got in there um, no one picked him up I mean I thought that was poor that was a poor passage for Benfica they shouldn't have let Cabral you know turn and get the gap to get to Poro and then they should have put Mateus Nunes up that was really disappointing that not one of them did but yeah like As we mentioned, they just cancelled each other out, didn't they? And I think Amarin made changes a bit early. It was clear he was trying to change something and trying to sort of attack those slow
0: centre-backs when bringing on Tabata and Cabral. Well, we've talked about Ruben Amarin uh, a couple of times in this podcast, so we're not going to go on another Ruben Amarin loving, which we have quite a few times, although he does deserve it. Uh, But the one thing that I would just like to say about him is that it's so pleasing to see his winning mentality uh, imparted onto this team. Because the one thing that I see when I look at sporting at the moment is that No matter what game they're having, whether they're not on top form, whether they're in scintillating form, is that they will not stop fighting until the end of the game. And I think over the course of the season, that's going to put them uh, in a very good position. I said uh, last week, and I stand by it, that they might not have the squad depth to see them over the line. But when they've got that kind of winning mentality about them, that's going to be an invaluable asset over the course of the season. Uh, Of course, the one team that would have been looking at this game with a lot of interest in Barney was Porto. I think a lot of Porto fans on social media were saying they would have preferred a draw or maybe even a win for Benfica to boost their title chances. It didn't go that way, uh, but they did their job. They beat Rio Ave 2-0. I'm not going to lie to you, Barney. It was a boring game. Very flat. Lacked a lot of energy. (laughs) Uh, But again, Porto will not care. they put another three points on the board. They keep pace at the top of the table. But I can't help but feel like we've been saying the same thing for a few weeks now about Porto it's a solid performance but it was a bit of a struggle to watch it was a bit of a struggle yeah it's just not
1: quite free-flowing I think partly to do with that and the player I wanted to talk about was um, Moussa Marega I think mean, he really disappointed in this game and he's for me he's disappointed a bit this season like, I know he's not just a goal scorer on this team. You know, he works he's hard and he, you know, he creates chances and that relationship with Tremi quite works. They, you know, harass the back line, but I don't know, you know, they've, they've gone with the two strikers, but potentially they could should be looking to sort of go back to just having Tremi and, you know, maybe another creative player in midfield.
0: I'm just going to give you some stats about Morega's game, Barney. He registered one shot all game off target, only 40% pass accuracy. And of course he was subbed off after 67 minutes for... Evan Nilsson he looked very despondent when he got taken off for me it wasn't even anger it was he just seemed quite deflated uh credit to him when Evan Nilsson scored you know the player a young player that's come on for him and scored the goal he was he was very supportive you know standing up with the rest of the sub bench applauding the goal but he's he's obviously going for a very rough patch right now Teremi's taking his thunder a little bit at the end of the day if they're winning games at least there's no pressure on him but of course he's going to want to look to get back on form Luis Diaz as well finally someone who I thought had a good game he's been a little bit in and out uh, of the squad this season he looks bright he looked uh he looked hungry for the game it wasn't a perfect performance by any means you know he made from he made mistakes but uh he looked like somebody who who was putting in a lot of work he
1: has done that all season which um i i didn't know he was the sort of played to do that but he, he always works hard for the team i think yeah good Sergio Olivier was back in that uh starting lineup good to see him back Corona with his 250th appearance yeah they're looking good for the Champions League aren't they they're, they're a solid team and this was a Dull performance, no sparks, but they won it 2-0 against an improved Rio
0: Ave who, you know, with the new manager, it could have been a difficult game. Well, let's talk about that new manager, Barney, Miguel Cardoso in charge. Always going to be a tough task to get a result against Porto in your first game. They had one or two moments, but they didn't really put Porto under any pressure. Uh, A couple of interesting squad selections for me, Barney. Uh Maschino and Gerald's starting on the bench. I think they've been excellent performers recently, especially Machino, who I think, scored in his last game.
1: I think Machino is a bit in and out of that squad, but Geraldes is the one for me. I, I I don't know why he's not starting. I really don't get it. I think every time he plays, he looks like the best player on the pitch. He came in at half time, uh, but I don't understand why he's not getting a start. I think he went with a perhaps a more robust midfield in this game, you know, Tarantini, Felipe Augusto. And then he also went with um Ronan up top, a big Brazilian striker on him from Tundea. Um and I like that because it sort of gave Dalla the opportunity to sort of just took that pressure off Dallas being the front man um, and it sort of worked in terms of him being a nuisance with that
0: porto back line Yeah I think some of the selections including starting with Roland up top and leaving Geraldo on the bench was about physicality I think he clearly was a bit worried about not being able to compete physically in midfield and especially up front we were obviously playing up, coming up against Pepe Uh, and in bemba but I agree with you Giraldez is the most talented player in that squad for me he's a player who will unlock doors he will make chances for you so uh, I think that was a no-brainer just before we move on I want to leave you with a quote from the Rio manager after the game Uh, we're talking about this defeat he said no conductor can make a Paganini concerto in three days a lovely niche classical music reference there Paganini could have gone Mozart could have gone mainstream uh, but he went for Paganini (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean it's, it's hard to take stuff in this game like you said he's only had three days but there is there is tactical changes that we haven't seen this season so yeah it should, they should be alright shouldn't they they'll be fine
0: they'll be fine and of course as we deal with a lot on this podcast there is football outside of the top three and there was a couple of interesting other games this weekend Bonnie. the first one I want to talk to you about Portemont ends versus Boavista. a game that ended 2-1 to Boavista. it's a game I wanted to talk about not just because I recommended it last week but because it did turn out to be a great game. And of course, a great win for Bovis who have been desperate for a result for a long time. Uh, I'm going to focus on bovis Vista here, Barney. Jesualdo Aldo Ferreira's first win as a manager. They lined up with exactly the same 4-3-3 system that they have done in all of his games in charge. And the game did actually start quite negatively with Portemont going in front. But the key difference for me in this game was the mentality. The mentality it took for bovis to dig in deep, not give up, and earn themselves a well-deserved win. They were 1-0 down. Uh, after half an hour but Alba Felis got a goal just before half-time that would have given themselves a big boost and of course they got a second goal in the, in the second half and crucially it's a win that they wouldn't have got a couple of weeks ago when they, when they were in such a right, it's a massive win for their survival hopes uh, and it's a massive win for their confidence when they need it most
1: Yeah absolutely I think it was nice to see them sort of go back to a sort of trusted formation with the four at the back I think uh, Cannon was dropped wasn't he? Um, he was deb-ish. yeah um, but it's, it, it works out all right. I think um, I was saying before the game that if they go down, there's players like Ellis who will be picked up by a bigger team because I think he's, he looks good in front of goal. I think they just need to get him and then Gomez playing. To, the more they can get them playing together, the better. Because we haven't talked about Angel Gomez for a while, but you know he was he's fantastic again in this game. I really want it to click for them because <laughs> <I really just, laughs> I, I, there's a lot of players I just really like, and I, I still I still it's one of the strangest teams this season for me like, I just don't get why it hasn't clicked. clicks but it's, it's definitely improved and I, I hope they can just start building this because it is a massive result for them they haven't won in so so long
0: well it just shows how close this bottom of the table is bonding because one win and they put themselves up from bottom into 16th place on equal points uh, with final Cow. so they've given them every single chance to get out of this relegation zone already you always felt like all they needed to do was put a couple of wins together and their season will be looking an awful awful lot healthier
1: I mean, yeah, and you look at the the next two fixtures, they've got Gil Vicente and Nacional. Both teams, they you know, they can beat. And this is a lovely little run that if they can put this together, should
0: sort of see them straight. Yeah, great opportunity for Bovis to, to move up the table. Another game we're going to talk about, Vittorio Gimmarais versus Maritimo. A one 0 win for Victoria Raj. We both watched this game, Barney. What do you think of it?
1: I, it was alright. I mean, it's it wasn't the best game, was it? But like, <laughs> um, I think it's the it's the result, isn't it? I mean, it's what three wins in a row now for the Victoria. Perhaps most importantly, they've only conceded one goal on those three games, which is uh, markedly better than the rest of the season. Uh, Suleiman was back in the side, which was nice to see, but then Edwards on the bench, which is a bit of a
0: curveball. Yeah, yeah. We we're obviously happy to see Issa starting, but then seeing Marcus drop for the second game in a row. If he wasn't an English player, I'd probably be saying kudos to the manager for having the bravery to drop who is essentially one of their star players. But obviously, from our perspective, we, we want to see Marcus playing. But Issa Suleiman had a very positive game. I thought clean sheet for him would be good for his confidence, get back in the team, uh, you know, show his scored, manager.
1: Should have scored, scored, scored twice.
0: Should have scored twice. Uh, but look he can add goals to his game at a later date right? at the <laughs> moment it's all about it's all about showing that he's he's a solid defender and and he did he looked calm he looked assured we tweeted out that he had a 97% pass accuracy I think you know I think 96% of those were passing the ball left to uh, Abel Moomin but anyway <laughs> I mean a good shout out as well for uh, Trammell in goal for the injured Varela um, mm, of course man
1: the match in this game I think he performed quite well I think Renato came in for Edwards fair play to him he had another good game I think it's it's nice for the manager to have these options I think you know I don't know if the worrying thing for Edwards is the fact that Ruben Lemirez came on in, in this game rather than himself it's like you said it's not the first time he hasn't started and I don't know if the manager is just sort of trying to send him a message he was definitely starting to perform a lot better like more recently
0: yeah he's obviously signed that new deal when he looked he looks quite confident in those immediate games after that there's always been whisperings about Marcus, about his attitudes and things like that. You know, there's rumours about, that's why he, he never quite made it at Spurs. Uh, obviously, we're both 100% behind him. You know, I'm sure he's maturing as a player. He's been made to feel like an important player at the club. So I'm sure he will uh, I'm sure he will respond correctly. Uh, I think this game, Barney, also is important for its context uh, in the table. Uh, and we should quickly touch on another game that happened last night. Uh, Braga winning 4-0 over Morens. And it's an interesting part of the table, Barney. A part of the table we talk about a lot you know because at the moment, none of those teams around fourth, fifth, and sixth are letting up. You know, it's three wins in a row for Victoria. Passos are blasting through teams, winning games, and of course, Braga winning four nil last night. That really felt like uh, a statement win from them saying, You know, we're the guys in fourth place, you know, we're the best team out of this pack. Uh, so yeah, really interesting part of the table to follow.
1: It's nice to see Braga just was it three nil up in 30 minutes. I mean, that does, <laughs> uh, but you know, they, they have to be on that, they have, to, they have to be performing on that because, like you said, passos are pass of a string a, a bit of confidence together, a good run of games and this win for Vitura Grimerares as well is, is just going to boost their confidence a little bit more you know every I feel like every time they play we say it but that charisma cross to Estupin it was just <laughs> it didn't end up at Sir and sorry but you know that cross that created the goals you know fantastic but.
0: yeah let's give a little bit of credit to Oscar Stupin then as well because the boy cannot stop scoring he's come out of nowhere you know he was in the B team uh, he didn't play a game until the 10th game of the season and they just seem to have found a gem there. Scored more goals than Paulinho this season. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, look, they're doing really well when, and uh, of course we got a soft spot for Victoria, so we wish them well for the rest of the season. Uh, just before we move on, Barney, one more game we're going to talk about. Santa Clara versus BSAD. I I don't know which one we're going to say. BSAD. <laughs> BSAD. <Be> <laughs> a lot of reasons to BSAD for them. Uh, in this game, Barney, thank you very much, uh, as they lost 2-0 to Santa Clara. Uh, I do just want to touch on this because that's two wins on the bounce now for Santa Clara. They sit in seventh place and they've made a gap of three points for themselves between themselves and eighth place. They're still seven points away from Vittoria in sixth, so I don't think there's any chance of them troubling uh, that little group. But they're working hard to set themselves apart from the group. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Thiago Santana leaving and what a loss he would be to them. But they put some good results together. I want to mention... Uh, their striker Cherzan, a 24-year-old Brazilian Uh, he's now got one goal and four assists in his last five games so uh, you know that's him contributing a goal a game for the last five games and I think they should be getting a little bit of credit for the results that they're
1: getting oh definitely I mean it
0: well, as we just
1: talked about, Morens losing to Braga so heavily, like, you know, they lost their best strike and look where they are. They they haven't got any it together this season at all. But then Santa Clara and also, like we mentioned, the Summer Rashid as well, their captain who played central midfield, he's now gone. I think throughout the whole season, they just look like a team who, they're, they're one of these teams at the lower end the table, just know they seem a bit more solid, a bit more assured of themselves. You, you feel more confident to
0: get points. Yeah, definitely. And after such a good start to the season, it will be interesting to see whether they can, uh, get anywhere near those European places come the end of the season. But nearly half the game's gone now, Barley and the table is really starting to shape up in quite an interesting way. Right, well, yesterday was deadline day for the January transfer window, the second most exciting day in the football calendar for us Barney the first of course being the summer deadline day uh, we're going to take a look at some of the deals that went through and where else to start but with Paulino to Sporting, it's a deal that's been rumoured since the summer it's finally gone through and before we get into the sort of nitty-gritty details of the transfer just what do you think his impact on the pitch will be for Sporting? I mean what a, what a Monday they had
1: didn't they they a the fantastic win against Benfica and then to announce Paulino the player that they've I think they have needed all season, even though they've still been performing so well. Like it's, they've made it clear they want him. I remember earlier in the season, I foolishly uh, said Spor was the missing piece in the puzzle for the Sporting, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Pauline you know, really can't really could be. You know, the way they play, I think that he probably gets, he hopefully get a few more chances than he does at Braga. And if he gets back to his form that he's shown last season, I think it's just. Perfect deal, perfect deal.
0: There's been a little bit of talk about his form for Braga because he hasn't had an incredible season in front of goal for Braga. He's obviously had fantastic seasons in the park. Let's not forget that he made his full Portugal international debut uh, this season. So there's a hell of a player there. Uh, let's look at the technical technical side of the deal, Barney, because this is quite interesting. So Sporting will pay Braga 16 million euros for 70% of Paulinho's rights. And in return, they get Sporar on loan until the end of the season and Borgia for €3 million, euros, meaning Braga's net return on this deal was €30 million euros after the cost of Borgia. I'm not sure what to make of it. On paper, part of me thinks that it makes financial sense. And then, you know, I remember that Paulinho is one of the best strikers in the league in a Portugal international. I just think €30 million euros net for a player of his standard. Just, I can't get my head about it. Maybe we're just blinded because... You know, we see some of the transfer fees that English clubs pay for players, uh, but I don't think realistically Braga would be able to keep holding him in the, end of the season. So maybe it makes sense to cash in now. The thing that's confused me throughout this
1: whole thing is that the fact that he signed the new contract in the autumn after the after the summer window closed, and I don't know if that was—I mean, it obviously gave him more wages, but I, I've instantly thought that Bra- Braga had done that to sort of secure a, a decent fee for him. You know, they, they hmm. can say, "Look, he's just signed this new contract." I think perhaps what's happened is. He's seen sporting this season. It looks like they're fighting chance of winning the league. They're almost guaranteed Champions League football, I think we can safely say. And I wonder if that did it for him. That sort of was going to be part of this club in the summer for me at least. And seeing the form they're on and what's happening there, I think he wanted to get there earlier. I think you can perhaps look into these. You know, the recent games where he came on as a substitute and you know, we put it down to him perhaps not being fit, but perhaps it could be that his head was just turned and he was sort of trying to force his move through now. But I agree with you. I think it does instinctively, it seems like a, a small fee. But we've also got to remember. I mean, there's this lovely clause that I've I've never seen ever. Where uh, is it? Sporting must pay Braga para- seven point five million every time they reject an offer of P. Probably, you know, that is over twenty five million. Wow, that's a great that. bit of business. No, I did not see that. <laughs> and I thought that is a great bit of business. But then I was also thinking, like, can you see him getting an offer for twenty five million? Like I said, he's twenty eight. He hasn't had the best season this season. But if he does it next season in Europe, would an English? It would have to be an English club. Wouldn't it come in for twenty five million? But then he's twenty nine. So
0: you know. For me, this feels like the end game for Pellininho. This feels like his peak as a player. I can see him being the star man at one of the best teams in Portugal. For me, that seems like a reasonable level for him to reach. So I'm not entirely sure, especially with his age, that he'll be moving on. I mean, I say that he could have a great year in the Champions League next season, banging a load of goals and get a call from Spain or get the call from England. You know, So anything is possible. But no, for me, this seems like a big move for him. And I think he will have known that as well. I think that's probably why he wanted to go in January. It's exactly as you said, he's 28, 29 years old. Uh, he's probably looking at his last opportunity to play Champions League football. He's made his debut for Portugal this year. He's probably looking at it thinking, you know, if I'm going to do it, it's got to be now. Uh, so fair play to him. Uh, I think undoubtedly a talented player. He's going to add goals to, to sporting. He's going to be a great player to watch. We're just looking forward to this move uh, all round. Let's look at what Braga are getting back up there still, Barney. Borgia, left-footed, left-sided defender, will be useful for cover for them. I don't think he's going to walk straight into that team. Uh, and Spararo, of course, an interesting one, because we always said he never quite looked good enough for Sporting. We'll have to see if he can make an impact at Braga. Uh, I have thought recently that Abel Ruiz has looked a lot better in recent games for Braga. So it will be interesting to see whether he even gets into that starting eleven ahead of him.
1: I don't think it will start. I think, like you said, Abel Ruiz is starting to step up a bit more That um, what they still scored four goals last night without, mm. without Paulinho in the team. So he's that style of player. They've let Shatim Sh- 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 go out on low to Spain, haven't they? So he's mm. that he's that big striker that, that they've lost in Paulinho now. So I think Braga has done all right. I mean, it's just probably they could have got a bit more money, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are rumours that Wolves were going to be in for him for 20 million euros, but, you know, they've gone down the route of William Jose on loan from Rio Sociedad. So it looked like this was the best offer that they were going to get, even now or in the summer. Benfica, of course, were also involved in this deadline day, party, although not with any big incoming players. But a lot of players leaving the club that you might have expected to leave. The most significant for me being Ferro going on loan to Valencia. It's a move long talked about, but he had made a couple of appearances recently, so there was an off chance that he would stay what do you make of this one? Good move? For me, I can't help but worry that moving to an even more competitive league to you know, a relatively volatile team in Valencia might not be the ideal move for him. But I feel like he might
1: start there um, when you look at the other players in that squad. I think there's obviously no uh, option to buy in this deal, so... It is sort of for game time, and I'd also think it's good in terms of sort of him being in that Spanish shop window. You know, if he if he if he performs well there, some Spanish clubs could be interested in. Him. I was thinking, you know, with always sort of going for this free at the back, seems to be going for this now. I don't know if he would have had perhaps got more opportunity. I feel like you know that 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 team they played against uh, Sporting with you know Jadel or the
0: Latonga, they're not the the speediest of centre backs, so I'm not sure how fast he needs to be in this league. Well, the interesting thing on on that point, Barney, is that, of course, Lucas Ferrisimo joins now from Mm. Santos after he competed in the Copa de Libertadores final. So he'll be joining shortly. And another interesting one, Barney, that I don't think a lot of people registered was Germán Conti, Argentinian centre-back who had been on on loan at Atlas in Mexico. His loan ended uh, and they've registered him in the Primera Liga. So it looks like they expect him to get some minutes for Benfica this season. One or two other transfers that Benfica made, or Jetson Fernandes recalled from his disastrous loan spell at Spurs and immediately sent back on loan to Galatasaray. Uh, And one I do want to mention, Barney, Jean-Claude Tidibo, because his loan deal at Benfica from Barcelona was cancelled. He's gone gone to France to play for Nice. Uh, And I just can't help but think that the way he's been treated by both Benfica and Barcelona has been pretty disgraceful. I mean he was clearly an opportunistic signing for Benfica in the summer. It became very apparent very quickly that he wasn't in the manager's plans. I think JJ even said, went on record as saying something along the lines of, we're not counting on him, basically, which you know, I'm sure did, that did his confidence a world of good. And then even Ronald Koeman this week coming out and saying a very very similar thing that he's not in Barcelona's plans. So you know, I think it's very easy to forget that these footballers are human beings and I think he'll be a bit shaken by this experience. So you know, I hope he finds better fortunes at Nice. Uh, well, outside of those clubs, Barney deadline day was a pretty tame affair. Uh, sporting at Braga and making up most of the headlines. And of course, there were some moves that didn't happen that we thought might happen. Ryan Gould to Braga was an interesting one that came about a couple of days before the window closed and it never really materialised. It looks like it's a deal that will probably still go ahead in the summer. But a bit of excitement for a couple of days. Do you know what? The thing I
1: think we forget is, you mentioned before in this podcast, how how loyal he is. Mm. You know, it's, he's is the captain of friends. I definitely can imagine him saying, Look, I'm gonna get this job done here, whatever the result is. I'm gonna, you know, try my best for this team and then we'll talk in the summer. Oh, I would love to see what Braga, I think you know, getting that opportunity in the Europa League this season as well could have been good for him, particularly with the Euros, as we talked about before, like it's trying to get a shout in for the Scotland squad. I think it will happen in the summer. I just I just wondered if he you know he could have been holding out for a bigger club than Braga. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> well, look, just go back to your first point. I think. You know what, it's not even a case of just loyalty. I think it's easy to forget that because look, he obviously is their best player. He's their talisman, he's their captain and he gives a lot to the team. But let's not forget, Barney, that Forenz have given a lot to him as well. You know, when he was released by Sporting, there weren't exactly Portuguese clubs queuing up to sign him, you know. He dropped down to the second division in Portugal. He didn't get a top division uh, team. So Forenz have shown him a lot of faith as well and they're the people that gave him the platform to show his talent today. So I think that relationship works both ways. I do have to say, I think if there was a serious offer on the table from Braga, especially with the prospect of playing Europa League football in the lead-up to the Euros when he's trying to get a place in the Scotland squad, I mean, that's selflessness to an extreme, you know, because that's an incredible opportunity. But, yeah, we expect it to happen in the summer. He deserves to be playing for the, at that level, if not higher. Uh, we'll see if any offers come in for him uh, in the summer. And, of course, we'll follow his career this season with great interest. Uh, and of course, another deal that hasn't happened quite yet, Barney, is the fabled kesuke Honda transfer to Porto Menenza. It hasn't materialised yet. We woke up this morning and saw a report that he has been offered a contract uh, six months to the end of the season, with an opportunity to extend for a year. kesuke if you're listening, mate, sign the ting, man. We're all waiting for it.
1: <laughs> it just—I think that would be my favourite transfer uh, ever. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um... No, I hope that does happen. I just want to see him take a free kick, man, in this league. That's that's all I want to do.
0: (laughs) Your favourite transfer ever, other than Andrea De Senna to Leighton Orient? Other than that one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to wrap up this this transfer conversation, Barney, I want to end this discussion with a question. Uh, And that question is, which club do you think has had the best January transfer window? I think it's
1: hard to overlook sporting. I think the Pauline sign is massive. I think the fact they've offloaded a few players on their way but as well out on loan I think that's been smart and then as we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast Cow, it's I think some really really good signings and the quantity of them as well been brilliant and then also Maritimo they've, they've made a few shrewd signings I feel um, Goncalo Ramos from Benfica I think it's a nice bit of business I did think that when that deal went through I thought I could, we could see Rodrigo Pino going earlier I thought that was perhaps what was that that was making room for but yeah, what about you? It's it's it hasn't been as exciting as we're expecting. Obviously, financial situations for clubs is yeah.
0: Yeah, well, for me, if Paulinho has the impact that we all hope, uh, and takes Sporting to their first league title in nineteen years, then that transfer alone would mean that uh, Sporting had the best transfer window. But for me, I think I would agree. Family Cow uh, have had the best transfer window. They've been extremely proactive uh, in the transfer market. They brought in nine players. They've clearly made a concerted effort to turn around their fortunes, get back to those shrewd, smart signings that served them so well last year. Uh, And obviously with a new manager at the helm very soon, we'll have to see how their season takes shape. Right, well, before we wrap up for this week, we're just going to have a look ahead to some of the games coming up this weekend. A lot of football Barney games on Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Both teams playing twice uh, over the course of the weekend. I think we've got a game of the week already though. Sunday night, 8.45, Braga versus Porto. Live on free sports. That's going to be a fantastic game.
1: Yeah, that'd be really good. I think. I mean, Braga coming off the back of their 4 0 win last night. I mean, they just destroyed in thirty minutes, man. It's <laughs> unreal. So yeah, and and as we've talked about, Porto not not showing the same sort of cap- not capabilities, but you know, showing the same ability to dismantle teams like that this season.
0: I mean, they'll undoubtedly be up for it, but whatever happens, I've just got a feeling that's that, that's going to be uh, a really fantastic game. Another interesting game to look out for for me, Barney, Friday night seven o'clock, Benfica versus Vittoria Gemaraes. Again, that's going to be live on Free sports, I believe, as well. What a game, Barney. I mean, Benfica low on confidence, Vittoria Gemaraes conceding very few goals. We know Benfica don't like teams like that. If that's another loss for Benfica, who knows what's going to happen with them?
1: I mean, yeah, I, that, that excites me as well. I, I can see Vittoria feeling confident in that game
0: well that's about all we've got time for this week we will of course be back next week discussing all those games and any news and any transfer developments if you've enjoyed listening to this episode uh, you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts or recommend our podcast to a friend who you think might enjoy it Uh, but for now it just leaves us to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week
1: yeah see you next week